my name is Ray Montgomery. I'd like to welcome you to the Navigating Blinders podcast. And on today's show, we have our employment service team with us today, once again, to dispel myths regarding employing individuals who are blind or visually impaired. So how's everybody doing today? Great. Hey, Ray. Doing good, Ray. Doing wonderful. Sounds good. Welcome, welcome back to the podcast. Before we get started with our myth for today, uh, let's go around and do introductions. Let's start with you, Christy. Sure. Well, good morning. I am Christy Russell, and I'm the Senior Manager of Adult and Youth Employment Services here at Bosma Center for Visionary Solutions. Uh, I get the honor of leading this awesome team of employment specialists and our youth employment specialist, Aaron. Um, you're used to hearing Aaron. He is actually with a student this morning, so he will not be joining us on today's episode. Um, but we we work with youth as early as 14 on uh, work skills. So building work skills, career exploration, start thinking about what they might want to do when they graduate high school. And we can support them up until age 22 if they go on to college. And we work with our adult employment services um, clients who are looking to transition back into work after losing their vision. All right. Sounds good. Next, we got Matt Edwards. How you doing, Matt? Good. Thanks, Ray. I'm Matt Edwards, and I'm an employment specialist here at Bosma. All right, Kurt. How you doing, Kurt? I'm doing wonderful, Ray. I am the newest employment specialist at Bosma. Been with the organization for about a month and a half, two months, and just loving it. Learning so much every day. We got Katie. How you doing, Katie? Doing good, Ray. Thank you. I'm an employment specialist here at Bosma. All right. Well, today we got a great show coming up. We got a great myth, too. And I know this is going to be something that uh, you guys hear a lot as employment specialists out there in the field, working with people who are blind and visually impaired and talking to employers. So today's myth is employing a person who is blind or visually impaired can be an expense to that business. And we want to break down that myth and really talk about how those are really uh, limited expenses when it comes to employing individuals who are blind or visually impaired. So what type of expenses are out there? What type of accommodations do individuals who are blind or visually impaired need when they're uh, working? And I know that's kind of a broad question right there because not everyone is the same, but what what generally are some of the expenses that people who are blind or visually impaired need when they're working on the job site? Uh, depends on what type of work they're looking for. Yeah. Uh, if you know, there's computer accommodations, um, you know, workplace accommodations uh, as far as, you know, navigation and stuff like that. But um, it just I think it just kind of depends on the type of work somebody's uh, working for or looking for. Um, I'm working in an office setting. What type of accommodations are, is as a person who is blind? What what kind of accommodation will they need to be successful? What What is a what is a screen reader for those who may not know? Maybe this first time listening. Yeah, screen reader reads the text on a computer to the person. So with a screen reader, the the uh, individual is you know not using a mouse. They're actually using a series of commands on the keyboard to control you know where the cursor is and everything like that. Essentially, that that text on the computer is is read to them, so they don't actually see it. But there's also magnification programs that somebody with uh, low vision might use. There's also a variety of CCTVs, you know, desktop or handheld that somebody might also use to read uh, printed documents, stuff like that. 
But, um, you know, ironically, technology has come such a long way that uh, most Windows and Mac devices come with screen reading software built into them. And there's also uh, free versions of screen reading software out there as well. So it can literally cost you nothing. So how much does a typical screen reading software cost? Uh, I mean, because I really want people to understand that this this stuff, you know, it does have a cost to it. But how much does a program like JAWS cost? To an employer, uh, you know, it, it can it can cost uh, around fifteen hundred dollars for for that version. You can you can also lease it for like ninety five dollars a month, which is uh, very cheap. So you know, just it depends. You know, a lot of our people, uh, especially coming through Bosma, our training program, are learning the uh, free Windows and Mac versions that that come on the the computer. Uh, there's also a free version called NVDA that a lot of individuals use as well. So it can be a very, very inexpensive piece of equipment for somebody, you know, to use in an office environment. How does JAWS, because I know sometimes you get pushed back and people don't understand, you know, this program and how it's installed on the software they're going to, you know, corrupt their system. So how does this program get installed on a uh, person who's blind uh, computer or the company's computer? I've done this a couple times uh, at different job sites, and it really starts uh, with a conversation with the uh, IT uh, department and uh, getting them involved. Uh, usually when we mention a screen reader, uh, you know, most bigger companies are already familiar with it. Uh, but if we need to educate them a little bit, uh, it's it's very simple process, you know, going to the Freedom Scientific website and uh, purchasing a, a copy you know, it all goes through email and everything like that. And you obtain that license, you know, through the, the Freedom Scientific website. And it gets installed by the IT people usually uh, at the company. And, you know, it doesn't uh, corrupt your system. It, uh, it doesn't play with the database in, in any way. Uh, it's, it's more, it's interacting with the computer itself. Uh, so it, it is not a threat to anybody's security. Yeah, I, I think the easiest way you know, when I first came to Bosma, well, I've been in this field for a long time. I, I was new to learning uh, software for those who are blind or have low vision. And I think for me, when I heard Jaws, of course, we think the movie. <laughs> so like, well, what does that mean? And what does that have to do anything, you know, to do with anything? Um, and, and Jaws stands for job access with speech. So the most simplest way to understand it is that it's an overlay software program, which means it's going to allow the end user to interact with whatever program they're trying to use on the computer. So if I'm trying to use, you know, Excel, for example, then the JAWS software program will allow me to interact with the cells in that spreadsheet by verbally through the system, you know, auditorily, I'm going to hear cell, you know, A1, B2, I'm going to hear that. I'm going to, it's going to read to me what is in that Excel sheet? It doesn't become a whole new program. You know, so I think sometimes that's the confusing part is people think um, they're having to utilize a very different, um, you know, case management system or whatever the company uses that this individual is going to have to use something extra. And that's not the case. Um, you know, for example, here at Bosma, we utilize Salesforce for, I mean, just about every single part of our entire company, whether you're in the marketing team or in the, the shipping and receiving team or over here in programs, you know, for client management, you know, keeping track of our files. 
We utilize Salesforce. We're not going to change that. No matter whether you're a sighted or a visually impaired employee, you're using Salesforce. But, you know, I use Salesforce with my vision. I can see what I'm looking at. Others may use, you know, a program like JAWS that allows the information on the screen to be read to them, whereas I use my eyes to access that. Um, and then others might even use another another very common software program is called Zoom Text, where they do have some vision, but it just needs to be enlarged past the standard, you know, what comes in Word or things like that. So you're looking at a larger font or color inversion or a different, maybe a blinking mouse arrow as opposed to a standard. Um, so it has a lot more, like I say, customization based on the person's usable vision. But at the end of the day, we're all still using Salesforce. I'm just accessing the information differently than, say, my coworker who is accessing it by auditory. So sometimes I think that's one of the parts of that myth is people don't really understand it and it seems complicated. And if you're not a tech person, it gets confusing. So it's like, well, that just sounds like it's too much. <laughs> so I don't even want to, I don't even want to deal with it. Right. Um, but I think that's, that's, where you got to learn, you know, is don't just assume it's going to do something and just have those conversations. I feel like we preach that, right? Be open to those conversations. You know, if, if you know somebody that, you know, can tell you about that program, be open to learning or get them in touch with the IT department. I think that's a common thread. I know Matt touched on that. Um, we want to talk to the IT. We recognize an HR person probably doesn't know anything about this stuff and that's okay. But if we talk to an IT person, probably heard about this before, but may not know all the ins and outs. So I think just having that conversation is, is so important. So how does a uh, employer make their job site more inclusive to, you know, accommodate a person with a visual impairment? Um, I think it's important to note that blindness and, and visual impairment is a spectrum. And with that spectrum, their needs are also a spectrum. So you can have people who, you know, might not need very much or, and, and what they need is free or relatively inexpensive. And then there are those that it might cost a little bit more, but still in the grand scheme of things, pretty inexpensive as well. Um, but I think a lot of that comes down to asking that applicant or ask, asking that um, individual employee what they need. How do they go about asking? Because, I mean, I know there's some laws and regulations, but did you just come out and ask an employee, okay, what do you need? Or how do you go about as an employee? Well, I, I think it could go two ways because there's a couple scenarios that we see. You know, one is what we're most familiar with, and that is where there's a company, they're hiring, there's an open position, the individual applies, they get an interview. So that's where we want to encourage the individual to disclose, right? And, and to, to have part of the conversation be about how they use technology, like weave that into the conversation, right? So I think right. that's one scenario is we know in an interview, they can't just come right out and ask these things, right? Because we want them to be an unbiased interview, just like everyone deserves, right? But the other scenario is, that sometimes I think doesn't get enough attention is what to do when a current employee acquires a disability. You know, when we talk about disability employment, it is not always just here, there's somebody with a disability looking to go to work. 
we have to start talking about and educating companies on what to do if a current employee acquires a disability. Um, the disability community is one we can all be a part of at any given moment. Um, life happens to everybody. Yeah. Most of the time, our you know people we've helped were working when when their injury happened or their health situation occurred. And I think employers just aren't sure how to handle that. You know, we've heard stories where the individual themselves just quit because yeah. they don't even know what exists out there and they right. don't understand how they're going to do their job. Right. So they just quit. We've seen others where the employer tries, but they don't know where to go. So then they just go, well, we you can't do the tasks of the job, right? Because there's been no rehabilitation or no accommodations. So we see this happen. And I think we we don't have enough conversation about that. So in terms of what should an employer do about accommodations is if that's your employee and most likely you're aware they've had a life event because they've probably called in and indicated, hey, something's happened. I'm not going to be at work. And as an HR team, support that employee. Reach out to them. How are you doing? What can we do for you? Here are your benefits available. Do they need to go on short-term disability and maybe go through a program like the Vision Rehab Center? You know, can you can they go on FML so it protects their job while they're getting their skills in place to return? You know, I think we we can't be afraid to just ask people, especially if they're already an employee in your organization. You you should want to support your employees. You sure. should want to keep your good employees, right? Um, but how can I support you through this? I just, sometimes I think we lump too many things into silos, you know, that short-term disability should be for A, B, C, D things. And long-term should be for these. And FMLA should be, you know, when someone has a baby, you know, it's like, well, no, there, there's lots of life things that could fall under these categories. So I think, you know, it's on the, the individual to create that conversation in an interview. But I also think on the flip side, it's on the HR side of the house to support those employees who have a life event happen to them where they are now trying to return to work successfully. That's a great point. Life yeah, knowledge doesn't well. care about vision. Knowledge is still there, even if their vision changes. And so sometimes with your job, you have to increase your knowledge or be able to implement it. And that's where we start talking about the accommodations. Yeah, and we, we were reading an article, the team was, um, it's from Be My Eyes, which is a great resource. Um, and they quoted that 58% of necessary accommodations cost nothing. Um, and the rest fall roughly under the $500 mark. And I think as a team, we see that pretty consistently as well. Um, especially since the invention of the smartphone, iPads, apps. I mean, that, hey, there's a topic, right? For another, another podcast, oh, yeah. all oh, the yeah. apps that are out there. I mean, I know, I know, Ray, you you use a lot of apps. Um, we see a lot of our clients utilizing them. We're training on them over here in our Vision Rehab Center. Um, technology has significantly, I think, um, increased independence for people who are blind or have low vision. Uh, we heard we heard someone joke one day um, here in the center who has been visually impaired their whole life, 
and said, man, it would be a lot easier to lose my vision now in today's world with all the technology than it was, you know, years ago when, when you didn't have those things. So technology has, has significantly benefited uh, those who are, who are visually impaired and allowing them more independence to go and do the things that they want to do without relying on someone else. Technology is the great equalizer. Uh, I know for as myself, as a person who was blind working in marketing, I don't use a lot of accommodations. I mean, I do have the screen reading software. Uh, I do use a few apps like you talked about, like Blind Square when necessary or, you know, Be My Eyes, you know, things like that. You get some documents read, but mainly, you know, it's really the computer is my biggest tool that I need in, in order to do my job successfully. And also a lot of low-tech devices. So the cane, the white cane is a low-tech device mm -hmm. that comes in very handy. Uh, yeah. A little yeah. bump dot could make a world of difference for a person who is blind or visually impaired. So, you know, talk about just making the workplace. Even the lighting. Yeah, yeah the lighting is uh, helps you increase that vision, that, that usable vision. So just talk about how employers can make their workplace more inclusive by, you know, just adding things like Braille or bump dots or even just little rugs that help people navigate, you know, through their surroundings. We use a lot of rugs around here. They let people know they're coming up to a stairwell, walkway. You know, this small little low-tech device, a lot of these things don't have to be massive. You know, yeah. it, it just really needs to be um, for that individual who was blind or visually impaired. They just really need to small thing, just ask them what they need and they, or they will tell you what they need at the end of the day. So I think that that's so important. Um, when I'm working with a company, if I'm asked to come out and, you know, do some education or a worksite assessment and give feedback, you know, one of the most common ones that I share, because I'm kind of surprised in 2024, how much, uh, how much this is still happening, but there are still some organizations and that rely on paper. There's still a paper here. The meeting is coming up. We're going to print out the agenda or we're going to print out all the forms that we're going to talk about in this meeting, right? We're going to print out all these documents. And one of the things I say is, well, you already have this electronic because you created it electronically. Just send the document electronically. Yeah. Yeah. Send it via email or create a space for it. You know, Slack is a common one. A lot of people use Google Hangouts, you know, but one, it's great for someone with vision loss because they can read it on their preferred device ahead of the meeting. They can put their headphones in and still listen to that document while in the meeting and engage in the meeting. Um, but not only does it benefit the individual who's visually impaired, but that actually benefits everybody to have it ahead of time. You know, everyone can come in with their computer or whatnot. So one of the things is, go electronic. <laughs> You're already sure. creating it. So just share yeah. it electronically. I think that that's one, sometimes it's overlooked, but it benefits everybody. And Hey, it benefits the company from printing all the printing, all those papers. I think too, when you said you don't have to go big, sometimes we'll hear people say, well, we've already started pricing out a braille printer and they're so expensive. And I'm like, well, why are you looking at a braille printer? Right. You know, is, is your employee that you're hiring or Currently, they are a Braille reader. Well, I don't know. I just, you know, blind people read Braille. Everyone who's blind reads Braille. And that's not true, actually. <laughs> that's, that's another myth right there. That's right. That's myth. not true. 
So there's no need to go and do these full makeovers and buy these machines, you know, to that you may never even use, you know, because that's not what your employee needs or uses. So it's so important to just because I think people mean well, you know, especially the companies we've we've worked with that have just been amazing. You know, they want to do whatever they can. Um, they they want to be as inclusive as possible. They want they just don't want to leave any stone unturned. But we try to encourage them, you know, hey, let's just first figure out what does your employee need and use? And let's go from there. And and instead of all these other things, you know, that you can be just as inclusive with removing a light over their desk as you are buying a braille printer. You know, it it doesn't always have to be some major move or very expensive purchase. And and just asking, ask the individual, you know, they, they're, they're visually impaired 24 seven. They're going to know what they prefer. And, And even if you hired another blind or low vision individual, they may use something totally different. And that's okay too, but it's, it's, we're not going to go do all that in, in our regular setting and try to accommodate every single employee. I mean, look at Bosman, there's what, 200 of us. Right. There's no way to accommodate all of us and everything we all prefer. Instead, it's, Hey, come to me as a member of HR and let me know what you need to do your job. And I'm going to do what I got to do to get it for you. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's the big one. Um, th- there isn't a one size fits all that that's for sure. Well, talk about the application process, because I know I was reading the, the article and just talk about how the application process can actually hinder people from or turn people away from wanting to even apply for that job because the application is not accessible for that person who is blind or visually impaired. So talk about how employers can actually, you know, increase, you know, their visibility, you know, by uh, making that application more accessible. Well, they could probably start by having their uh, application tested. Uh, that's something that, hey, I would offer that uh, myself and our assistive technology instructor uh, have gone out to uh, several job sites over the years and tested people's systems and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, if you're wondering about the application itself, I mean, that's that's something that we could look into. Uh, testing ourselves, you know, and and that's a matter of uh, just, you know, uh, running your application through. Um, actually, they could just send it to us and we could uh, test it out with a screen reader or magnification program as well. So there's there's one solution, but having it tested in some way, screen reader, whatever that may be to, to make sure it is accessible to people who are visually impaired. But uh that's also part of our job too. If we're working with somebody and something's not accessible, we can help them out also. Yeah, it's not the worst to get to the end of that application and uh, you can't you can't submit it. All well, it's, it's a turnoff, right? It's a turnoff. Yeah. If, if I'm visually impaired and I can't get past your website because it's not accessible, then I that that's, tells me something right away. Oh, yeah. You know, about, and that may be, a, this could be a company that, advertises all over the place about how inclusive they are, but they missed a step when it came to their website and it came to their application. Um, I think this is a, this is definitely a hot topic because a lot of people are going to AI and, you know, these, these standard type computer-based applications in an effort to really try to narrow down to the appropriate candidates. But 
they're not always accessible. Um, and not everybody fits in a perfect drop down menu. You know, that that's the thing. So I get the point, but there is a significant difference between something being accessible and something being usable. Yeah. Um, I just think if I can't use what's in front of me, then it, it doesn't matter how how accessible you say it is. If I can't access what I need to do, it doesn't work. And I think for applicants, you know, we've heard this from, from some of our clients is they're like, well, I couldn't even navigate the website to figure out their mission and to read on them. It, you know, Jaws was reading me different things like their website's not accessible. So I'm, I know they're open, but I'm not interested in applying. So I think we have to remember that while some advances in technology can be a positive thing, some are also a hindrance and preventing a, an employer from really getting a good pool of candidates. How, how should a uh, employee who is blind or visually impaired, how should they, you know, go about asking their employer for accommodations? I know, you know, sometimes we don't want to say anything. Sometimes we, sometimes we'll fight our way through it, you know, and we waste some time trying to figure it out ourselves because, you know, that pride comes into play, but how, how do they, how should we approach those type of uh, conversations? Uh, for me, it's, it's uh, happens pretty much in, in the interview process. If we're uh, going through an interview and we're disclosing, we're talking about our vision. Uh, we also want to make sure that that employer knows how we're going to do the job as well. Uh, explaining a screen reader or explaining whatever, whatever they're, uh, using, but because uh, I don't, I don't want to leave uh, an interview with with any questions or doubts uh, in in their minds, you know, as well. So I mean, it's it's one thing, you know, if you're going to talk about your vision, uh, your challenges in an interview, uh, but we also want to follow that up with a little bit of education on on how you're going to do your job, and sometimes that means uh, people bringing in. Uh, stuff with them. You know, I've had people bring in their laptops or their braille displays, magnifiers, all that kind of stuff. I mean, if you can actually show them kind of device or accommodation you're actually using, uh, even better, in my opinion. So, so really for me, it all starts up front. Our clients are natural problem solvers. They have to be to work in a world or to live in a world that, you know, most people take sight for granted, really. And so uh, how do you get around that? You, you, you solve problems. You figure out how. It, it can be very basic, and sometimes it's a tech solution. I'd, I'd add on to that by saying um, you want to let your employer know sooner rather than later the accommodations that you need. You don't want to get like three months onto the job and be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I need this. Um, it's better to disclose that earlier than later. Um, and let them know so that your job performance isn't impacted. Yeah, I I think the team has nailed it. You know, I think don't be afraid to start the conversation. You know, so let's say you did disclose and you're hired. Um, you know, your employer is going to assume everything's okay unless you tell them it's not. You know, they might be like, hey, yeah, we got your software. Like, you know, you got to remember, HR is not going to stay with you. You're going right. to, after you're hired, you get trained and then you transition to your team and your your manager or your supervisor. HR is not going to still be with you, right? They're there, but they're not going to be a part of your day to day. So if you don't go back and communicate to your manager, or your supervisor or your HR rep, 
that you're having difficulty with a accommodation or something, they don't know. So you've got to be proactive, right? You've got to take it on because they're not going to just follow up, you know, hey, how's everything going? You know, three, four year down the road. It, you've, you've got to speak up, you know, and, and I think too, is keep it relevant to your job task. Um, Matt mentioned that. And I, I absolutely agree. There's a difference between wanting all this cool technology, right? Like I'm not visually impaired and I hear some of this. I'm like, man, that would just be cool for me. Like, I think that would help me. Right. It has nothing to do with my needs or my job. It just sounds really great. Right. And I could see a benefit. But when you're talking to your employer, it whatever your request is, it needs to be relevant to a job task. You know, this is work, not preference, right? So when you are going to speak to your HR team, you know, be specific about what it is that you're currently struggling with. And as that HR team member or a manager who's hearing your employee come to you, ask those specific questions. Talk to me about what part of this job you're struggling with. You know, maybe they're mentioning reports. Okay, if I'm the manager, I might say, well, I mean, you turned in your last report and there was no errors. So explain to me where you're getting stuck, right? It's it's all back to that open conversation. But the individual needs to be the one to initiate that. And I think the employers like that because again, they've got a number of other employees to keep keep up with and keep happy, yeah. right? And they have other needs going on. HR is a very busy team. Um, so if we don't go to them and let them know we're having a problem, they can't assist us. So so just take that initiative. Take initiative. Let's before I get you uh, out of here today, let's talk about technology that's really helping uh helping the blind navigate. Uh, this technology is called Blind Square. Uh, and I know um we have it here at Bosman, it helps individuals navigate the building and learn their surroundings. Talk about how this technology can be used at different businesses to help, you know, their non-sighted employees, you know, navigate their surroundings, know what's around them. Just talk about how this technology is enhancing, you know, travel for people who are blind or visually impaired. Yeah. So th this is really, really cool. It's a cool feature. Um, when Bosma, I, I don't want to say relocated, but moved out. We, we used to all be in one building. <laughs> mm -hmm. And as the company and programs grew, we are now in two buildings. And so when we moved into these two buildings, um, Blind Square technology was installed. It's a GP, It's an accessible GPS app that was specifically designed for people who are blind, um, deaf blind, or have visual impairment of some degree. And the idea is that it works with like a third party app, kind of like a, um, what do you call it? Like a QR reader. I'm probably not, I'm not a tech person. I'm just, again, I put things in basic words, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it allows for these uh, beacons to be placed within the company and recorded to say what you want it to say. So it may say men's restroom, women's restroom, elevator, you know, whatever it is, the company uh, programs these beacons. So when an individual has this app downloaded on their phone and, and turned on, then when they walk through the building, it will pick up those beacons and it allows the individual to know where, they, where they're at within the location of that building. So um, it, it, it allows for independence. So for example, if you're like a new client coming and you're here to meet with one of us, you don't necessarily have to rely on 
hey, can someone get me to Matt's office, right? Like we're, we're going to be programmed to help with that navigation. I know we've got um, blind score technology at our airport and some other great locations. Um, so it's a really, really unique feature. But I, I personally think it's beneficial for more than just people who are blind. Oh, yeah. But it allows your space and location to be accessible to anyone. And it helps kind of alleviate those nerves. If you're a new employee, like, oh, I don't remember where they told me that is. And I don't want to ask again. Well, if that company happens to have blind square technology installed because it's a large place, that individual can discreetly open that app and get where they need to go. Um, so I'm probably leaving out a lot of cool features, but I will tell you, it, it's very, very, very uh, useful, beneficial. We're getting a lot more companies reach out to Bosma. We have a team that can go out and install these and, and help companies understand about it um, here at part of our IT consulting team. But um, it's, it's definitely something to look into if your location is, is a very large. So think of hospitals or, you know, multi, multi-level yeah. organizations. Um, but, but Ray, I know you utilize BlindSquare. I know oh, for those who don't know, I know our last month we shared a lot about Ray, but Ray does a lot of tours here in both of our buildings. And I know you always talk about BlindSquare and show how you use it. So what do you feel like Ray has been, I guess, the the perks of having BlindSquare in the buildings where you've got to be? You know what? I know definitely when I'm traveling over there at the rehab center over there at Woodland and, and Bible Center for Billionaire Solutions, sometimes there's a lot of twists and turns over there. So, you know, when you are getting lost or turned around, you can whip out your phone, activate Blind Square, and it's going to give you uh, dire directions. It's going to give you uh, pinpoints to let you know where you're at within the building. So it's going to say, okay, where you by um, Matt's office. And now it's going to tell you that restrooms are to the right. It's going to let you know where the stairwells at. It's it really very beneficial when you're navigating us unfamiliar uh, environments massive environments like hospitals would be a great place for blind square i would love to see it at a hospital because when i'm navigating the hospital i find myself just stuck in the lobby so <laughs> i right. can't really move around a lot uh, you know but that's it's not just for people who are blind i would also say it's helpful for people who are you know just really trying to find their way around new buildings so once you turn that app on you know, it start talking to you right away. And now you can get going. You can, now you feel more confident. Now you feel more free that you can move without falling or, you know, asking someone to help you uh, get around your, your area. So it's a great tool uh, that we use here at Bosma. We've actually installed it at some of our sister agencies as well. Uh, definitely a lot of built-in tools within that app as well. So that QR code reader. So you have a uh, QR codes on your vending machines or your doors. You know, it could read that type of things to you as well. So it's great, definitely a great tool. And if you want to learn more, definitely contact Bosman and we get you in the right direction. But yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for coming on the podcast once again and talking about making workplaces more inclusive for people who are blind or visually impaired. You want to continue this conversation. So if they want to continue the conversation, Christy, how do they get in contact with you or the team? Absolutely. Uh, first is I want to let people know about our website that talks yes. about all of our programs here at Bosma. Um, and that is www.bosma.org backslash center. 
Uh, you can call me directly if you are a, a company and wanting to know more. I'm happy to be your point of contact there. And my, my number is 317-704-8250 or by email at christyr@bosma.org, And that's K-R-I-S-T-Y-R at Bosma.org. Definitely make sure you're subscribed to the Navigating Blindness podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud. And make sure you're following Bosma on all social media platforms. That's LinkedIn, Facebook, and X. And I'll talk to you guys next week.